0: Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. And today we're talking all about sustainability. It's no longer just a buzzword for companies. Sustainability strategy is crucial for any business, large or small to succeed. And doing the right thing for the environment can also be profitable. It can make companies more efficient, help employee retention, and perhaps most importantly, it can improve relationships with your customers as more and more people want to engage with values-driven organizations. And no one knows that more than our guest today, Carolina Leonhart. She's the Senior Manager of Environmental Responsibility at Cliff Bar, and our own Patrick Flynn, Vice President of Sustainability at Salesforce. So let's just jump right in. Carolina, welcome to the show.
1: Great. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here.
0: And Patrick, welcome back.
2: Thanks, Michael. Great to be with you again. And a big thank you to Carolina. Really looking forward to speaking with you both.
0: Okay, great. So let's start, Carolina. I just wanted to learn a little bit about your job at Cliff Bar. What do you do there? Can you give us the high level of what your role is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am the senior manager of environmental responsibility at Clif. And I have been with Cliff for just over five years now. Um, time has flown, really. Uh, I am based in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is where our headquarters office is for Cliff Bar. And I work on what's called the Sustainability Impact Team, which is actually made up of a total of five people that oversees social and, and environmental responsibility for the company. So I work to develop strategies and implement initiatives to meet the goals that we've set out for ourselves as a company. Um, Some of the examples of that are our commitment to transition to sustainable packaging uh, by 2025, as well as our goal to be net positive on climate by 2030, which we're going to talk a lot more about today.
0: Yeah, it's it's a big commitment to have five people working on that. Full time. Patrick, I'm curious with other customers. Is this something you're seeing at other companies? Is this a, a growing trend? W- what does that look like out in the marketplace?
2: Sustainability teams across all the companies that we connect with end up taking really different forms. Um, sometimes it's uh, having to do with their origin story, other times it's the nature of the business. For example, Salesforce is first head of sustainability came about when there was an all-hands meeting and the microphone was open to the audience and somebody asked Mark Benioff, why isn't there a head of sustainability at Salesforce? And he said, there is now and you're it. And her name was Sue Amar. It was you know, a, a decade or more ago and, and off she went on this adventure and started us on our journey.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Carolina, tell me about Cliff Bar's overall mission, getting to net zero and how that's positioned at the company, how's that come about and what does that look like right now?
1: Yeah. Well, first, let me just start by saying that Cliff Bar is a um, private company we're family and employee owned. Um, and we have built our business based on or guided by five aspirations, really, that's what we call them. And that's sustaining our people, our community, our planet, our brands and our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use that kind of like a lens through which we make decisions. Um, and when we think about net positive and that commitment around climate, really, it connects to all five of those aspirations.
0: And you know, what's so interesting where Cliff Bar sits, there's so many supplier relationships. There's all the way from an idea to the product on the shelf. So many different people involved. How do you look at those relationships as part of that lens and how you can impact that across so many different groups?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. I would say that everyone um, within our value chain has a role to play, right? And that's kind of what's great about the way that many climate commitments are structured is that the goal, the first goal is to take responsibility for your own operations. But the idea is that you have an opportunity to influence both upstream and downstream. Um, And that includes all the way up into your supply chain. So who you do business with, but then all the way down to your consumers and your customers. Um, So, yeah, I would say that everybody has a role to play when it comes to climate, when it comes to the sustainability work that we're doing. And part of that is making sure that we're not just working within our four walls, but outside of our four walls and getting everyone involved.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, and Patrick Salesforce builds tools that let our customers understand the relationship with their customers. That's at at the core of what we do. And now we're helping to do that across sustainability efforts. Tell me a little bit more about how we can use our tools that way.
2: Sure, yeah. And the context for that is we're in a climate emergency. Like Carolina said, climate is about so much more than the environment. It's about equality and biodiversity, political stability, economic resilience, and it's the most pressing issue of our time. And time is really the most challenging element of it. Given the urgency, we really need everyone, that's true for individuals and companies, to bring their superpower forward and for salesforce our superpower is putting digital tools in the hands of our customers to help them transform their business into the future we've done it through the digital transformation and now we need to do it through the decarbonization transformation that every customer every industry needs to go through Mm -hmm. and so we've built a tool called net zero cloud which is really the embodiment of that philosophy how do we put tools in the hands of our customers to help them navigate successfully through climate change. It's a single source of truth, system of record for your full value chain greenhouse gas emissions. And we're on the brink of releasing a whole bunch of new capabilities around target setting, what if scenario analysis, um, a marketplace for carbon credits and renewable energy. And so it'll be the the place to get your business to net zero now. Mm -hmm. For every company out there, the, the changing customer is going to be a big force for climate action. And when we think about full value chain decarbonization, every link in that value chain from supplier to customer, every single one of those is a customer relationship that needs to shift and change and be understood. So what I'm most excited about right now is not just net zero cloud, but this magic that's happening when Net Zero Cloud plus Salesforce's Customer 360 platform start to work together to help our own customers identify and connect with their own most climate engaged customers out there. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, we like to say that business is the greatest platform for change. That's something that's important at Salesforce. And as I was preparing for the interview and realizing, wow, all of this data and all of this information is going to get shared across these companies and it's going to propel everybody to move forward and to do better and to meet these goals. Carolina, have you seen that in terms of how you operate with your suppliers? What is that information exchange and are you seeing that in terms of a movement driving people to improve across the supply chain?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I think it's information and data are what's going to help us. Make smart decisions um, and guide us in terms of where we need to go. So at Cliff Bar, you know, like I said, part of, a large part of what we do is focus on our own operations, but then we have to go outside and work with our supply chain partners, and that means you know requesting data of them and also working with them not just to collect that data, but to provide them with solutions and opportunities to make a shift for themselves, because we know that it's really challenging for a lot of companies, especially small businesses, to get started on this journey and to dedicate resources to collecting this information, to reporting it out, and also to make changes in their own operations. Um, I'd say that there's a, a huge movement also, I think, in reporting and responding to customer requests and retailer requests. That's one thing that we're doing at Cliff Bar really often is, you know, every year we report into CDP and we provide a lot of detailed data on our full set of carbon emissions. And that's helpful. That helps, that has also helped drive decisions internally, uh, not just to share that information with our customers, but also to, you know, to expose certain things and and make changes internally.
0: And have you seen this, uh, you know, there's always a tension between sort of the bottom line and what may be the right thing to do. Do you have an example of where you've seen some tension there of this is going to be an investment, but we need to make it, or what's the behind the scenes of how some of those decisions get made that either within Cliff Bar or with other companies that you're talking to?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think sustainability and and dedicating resources to this space has historically been seen as a bit of a nice to have, Mm -hmm. but the reality is that this is table stakes now, right? Many companies understand that in order to be in business, and in order to be a, a good partner to your own customers, you have to have these systems in place. You have to have commitments, and you also have to be demonstrating progress towards those commitments. I was in a summit or session many months ago with Walmart, and they said very clearly, if you aren't tracking these things, if you aren't making changes or taking action on climate, that's going to be very strange in a, in a couple of years, right? It's, it's just... They, they don't expect that to be the case. They really do expect all of their vendors um, to be taking action in this space. So, yeah, I, I don't think that it's a question of uh, of trying to demonstrate a benefit to the bottom line anymore. I think it's I think it's table stakes at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. And Patrick, what are you seeing out there? I mean, I'd love to hear some examples of how companies are are using that zero cloud or you know just th- this data in general to impact change environmentally or financially, across the board? What what are you seeing out in the marketplace?
2: Yeah. Well, first to your question about the tension, I, a, a story about our own former CFO, at Mark Hawkins, in my first meeting with him, we were early on our renewable energy journey. We've now reached 100% renewable energy for our global operations. We were looking at a project and he said, we're going to do this because it's the right thing to do. And we're going to make sure it makes financial sense, but we're going to consider it in that order. And I mean, what a, you know, it gives you chills when you're in my position and the CFO of, you know, what's now basically a fortune 100 company tells you something like that. And with that comes a huge responsibility. We don't take that lightly. We've got a very unique culture. We've got a, a lot going for this business. And so we feel a deep responsibility to use that to help others. One of the ways we help, believe it or not, is actually by making climate a contractual obligation. So earlier this year, we notified all of our suppliers that effective immediately climate was part of all standard purchasing agreements with Salesforce, requiring them to set a science-based target, deliver carbon neutral goods and services, disclose their greenhouse gas emissions to us, or pay. And believe it or not, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. People in in positions like Carolina at our suppliers, welcome that pressure because they have real tangible proof. The customer wants this, this is happening. We need to take action. And so more than anything, we had responses back like, how do I become the first to comply, (laughs) you know? Um, So it was just such a bright moment in our journey. and. We also bring our technology to help all of those suppliers and all of our customers too. So, you know, in that same moment, we added scope three spend-based emissions calculation functionality to Net Zero Cloud, helping, helping all of our customers with their own greenhouse gas emissions up and down the value chain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's just countless fascinating examples of how people are using this data to help define their strategy. Um, one that I love is MasterCard is a Net Zero Cloud customer, and they too see the world through, and their climate action strategy through the lens of what's our superpower. And they've got billions of card holders out there making purchasing decisions using their MasterCard every day and MasterCard knows that connecting with those customers and giving them more feedback into the carbon emissions of those purchasing decisions, new tools within the interface related to the card is how they're going to differentiate their brand and differentiate their products. They're they're doing some really interesting stuff with the data that comes out of Net Zero Cloud.
0: hmm and Carolina, w- what are you seeing in the consumer package good space specifically? You know, so many of us, I mean, I have this own, exp- my own experience with this, with, you know, y- you want to eat right and you go to the store and you buy lettuce and it comes in a plastic package. <laughs> and every time that is one for me that just kills me. It's like, I don't want to buy that anymore, but I, you know, I really want that arugula. So I'm just curious, you know, what are you seeing in the package good space that, are going to be big changes where we're going to see some developments there and how we can acquire, you know, what we what we need.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to call out. I think I, I need to respond to Patrick's comments on superpowers. And I think that <laughs> that Cliff Bar's superpower in this space, right, in, in the CPG or consumer packaged goods space, is our ability to bring a plant-based food forward that is organic Um, and really that's that is what we see as our superpowers they were able to you know to talk about this one plant-based food which is a huge trend um, in terms of food in general and being a solution towards you know uh, reducing global warming emissions but also um, organic and sustainable farming practices that's huge um, in the agriculture space so um, those are two things that I wanted to call out. But of course, consumer packaged goods, that's you know, you, you said it there is packaging. That is a large part of what people are paying attention to. It's such a it's such a tangible issue, right? When you buy something in the store, it's what you interact with apart from the product, right? You have to you have to dispose of that packaging. So um, there's a lot of um, a lot of opportunity and a lot of great work that's happening in the packaging space right now. Uh, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation is a great example of that, of a global commitment platform where many large corporations across the, the, the world are committed to changing the way that they see packaging, the way that they make packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely a big one. Um, but I want to go back to... Um, something that I read actually this morning in the, uh, the Green Biz, State of Green Business report that came out just a few days ago. And I thought it was really important, really interesting is that CPG and specifically, you know, food companies in this space, are, I think are starting to change in terms of how they can, you know, be a more sustainable food company.
0: Mm-hmm. And Patrick, I mean, where we sit is on this enabling understanding through the collection of that data and the ability ability to analyze it and share it and look at it and have that single source of truth. How are you seeing this data story driving that kind of innovation?
2: Yeah, a couple of things happening that are worth naming as we zoom in on that. One is, Carolina touched on it, the era of any brand being judged by what happens within its own four walls only is completely over. And so the the data challenges and the data collection process itself is collaborative in nature. It requires exchanges of data upstream and downstream. Um, And the other thing that's happening at the same time is this greenhouse gas emissions data needs to become as trusted as a company's financial data overnight. And it's for Reporting and disclosure purposes, and much of this volunteer, voluntary disclosure is becoming regulatory over the over the short term. Um, but it's not just for investors; it's for everyone around the company because when you've got twenty fifty net zero targets, twenty forty net zero targets, it's impossible for anyone to differentiate the authentic leaders from those who are just talking. That's you know five to 10 different CEOs problem into the future. Um, And so data trusted today about what's happening in the business today is how an employee, a consumer, an investor, a community is going to really judge a company. And so what we're seeing is this acceleration to net zero now. Salesforce is net zero now not 2030, not 2040, not 2050. And it, it it includes a few things. First and foremost, that we are not done when we say that. We are first and foremost committed to the shared global goal of reaching net zero as quickly as possible. Next, underneath that, we, we are transparently showing our own full value chain decarbonization journey with a goal to have that be in line with a 1.5 degree future on a location based basis for the for the nerds out there, and I think whether it's for a brand or for a product, that's the direction this is all going. Show me what you did this year in trusted data.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that transparency is going to be huge. And you know, Carolina, I I remember when we were getting ready for this interview, you mentioned that earlier in your career you worked in the nonprofit space, and the idea that you would work for in a for-profit situation was not really the direction you wanted to go. But then realizing there's really an opportunity to make an impact inside of a for-profit world in a way that is different than a nonprofit, profit but uh, you can work on those similar challenges. And it sounds like that's what's happening at Cliff Bar right now. You know, how have you seen that attitude change in terms of where you can be you know, for your work to really make an impact on this problem?
1: Yeah. I, I do. I think it's it's funny. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Actually, that you know, early on in my career, and I think many environmentalists sometimes feel this way, is that in order to be you know an environmentalist, you need to be working in the nonprofit space. That was very much the thinking um, at the start of my career. And over time, I realized that essentially a bit of like where the rubber meets the road is is in the business sphere, is in the business uh, sector, and. That has been, yeah. I've I've been working in different sectors, and I, I worked in private consulting, and then um, moved into uh, the the you know private space when I moved to Cliff Bar, and yeah, it has been very eye opening just to see, and really Im- impressive to see how quickly companies are signing on to this kind of work and really changing the way that they're working. I also think what's impressive is that sustainability doesn't show up anymore just in a sustainability team, right? I think this is the way that many companies are moving towards is recognizing that this type of work shouldn't just, it shouldn't just live with a small team, right? But it should be embedded and integrated throughout the organization.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and driving that at which you talked about the, you know, when you bring the proposal to the CEO and you say, this is what customers are asking for, uh, I, I would just want to push on that a little bit and learn more about in Cliff's example, the, the who are the customers? Because you have the end consumer, but then you also have the retailers and wholesale. Tell me a little bit about that customer landscape and the feedback that you're getting from those different customers.
1: Yeah, so right, just for clarity, right, our end consumer are the people who buy our products, right, and consume our products. But then the customers are the retailers, basically, where anybody who's listening to this would be shopping. And that includes, you know, the big names like Walmart and Amazon and Target and Kroger. Um, Those are our customers. And those three that I mentioned alone have made some really, have put some really big stakes in the ground when it comes to sustainability and specifically climate. Um, and I mentioned this earlier, but they are requiring now as a part of our relationship that we share information with them um, and that we report climate data into them. And they're also requesting that we make commitments, right? So Patrick, uh, an amazing work that Salesforce is doing to require that as a part of their contracting process, which is incredible, right? And I imagine that that will continue to grow, that more companies will see that as an example and require that in order to be doing business with them. So, um, yeah, I'd say that that has, it is, it's not the reason why we started doing this work. We've actually been working on sustainability back to 2001 and started specifically uh, grew our climate program in 2003 when we started measuring our footprint um, and offset our emissions all the way back to the start of our company in 1992. So I've been working with our sales team for a number of years to make sure that they understand the, the commitments that we have in place and that they're sharing that. But man, it's, you know, there's a lot of interest there now, which I think is really important. I think it helps to drive the work that we're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And do either of you see a trend happening where this data that's happening kind of in the background in this, you know, business to business space is going to become more prevalent to the end consumer and start to really drive that consumer choice. I mean, I know I know we see some of that out there, but w- what's on the horizon with that? I don't know either Patrick or Carolina if you have any thoughts on that.
1: I'd say you know generally speaking, I don't think consumers really fully understand Net zero or even the climate commitments that companies are, are making, but there's a huge opportunity there. And I think that for companies like ours, one of the things that we should be focused on is educating the consumer and raising awareness of this work. Um, I'd say that you know consumers also want to vote with their dollars. They want to support the companies that they care about. So the more that we talk about this, the more that we, we raise awareness, generally speaking, I think is, is going to be a good thing.
2: Yeah, and I, I think I see two different trends happening with this data, two different uses. One is to help differentiate your brand from your competitor's brand. And the other is to differentiate among your products. So you've got company-wide footprinting, emissions calculations, and then product-specific impact calculations. And I think there's a role for making comparable and clear differentiation in both of those realms. Um, For Salesforce, as a software company, we are ourselves much more focused on company-wide and all of our products are delivered carbon neutral all the time. There's no differentiation among them. Um, But for somebody like Cliff or other um, packaged goods companies, I think there will be a need for clear, comparable nutrition label type differentiation Mm -hmm. among uh, related to the impact of the products.
0: Okay, well, I have one last question for each of you. It's a pretty easy one, I hope, which is, Carolina, I'm going to start with you. What's your favorite Cliff Bar flavor?
1: Oh, Michael, you had to. <laughs> this is what I ask to other people when I meet with them. Uh, well, this is a popular one, and very many people often go for this, but it's the Luna Lemon Zest. Many times people also don't know that we own Luna, but Cliff Bar, Luna Bar is a part of Cliff Bar, and the Luna Lemon Zest is is where it's at.
2: And for me, I'll have the sort of unpopular statement first, which is I don't really like sweets. And so when I'm looking at a aisle full of full of different options, I usually gravitate towards the least sweet one. For me, the crunchy peanut butter is what I go to f- for a Cliff bar.
0: Patrick, that is my favorite as well. Nice. <laughs> We have the same flavor profile. So I love those.
2: I knew we were kindred spirits, Michael. (laughs) Yeah, Carolina, thank you. I always love these conversations.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, Patrick, I feel like you and I could go on for...
2: (laughs) I know, yeah, (laughs) totally.
1: Yeah.
2: Totally.
0: Okay, well, thank you both so much for joining today. Carolina, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And Patrick, thanks for joining today.
2: A pleasure as always. Thank you.
0: That was Carolina Leonhart. She's the senior manager of environmental responsibility at Cliff Bar, in conversation with Patrick Flint, vice president of sustainability at Salesforce. If you want to learn more about Net Zero Cloud and other Salesforce sustainability products, head over to Salesforce.com/company/sustainability. Thanks for listening today, and if you like this episode of Blazing Trails, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Rebo from Salesforce Studios.